Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. That's what we're been, we've been talking about. and we're gonna, that's, that's kind of our theme. Where are we going from here? Uh, we are growing up from here. Praise God. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important that we, uh, you know, the Bible talks about growing. Talks about it a lot. Tells us to grow in grace. Tells us to grow up and, and, and mature. Praise God. To go on to perfection. In fact, we have been reading from, um, you know, for the last probably five, maybe six weeks, the Lord has had me every single day, have me in Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 6. I, it's, it's not that I'm that slow a reader, but it's that slow of an understander. Okay, sometimes it takes me a little bit of time to, to get stuff, and, and but the thing I found is uh, there is so much powerful revelation packed into Hebrews chapter 5 and 6. Praise God, really just the end of chapter 5 is what I've been really in and the beginning of chapter 6. I hadn't even got uh, on to the to the latter part of, uh, of chapter 6, but I keep going over and over and over, and every time I do, the Lord is opening up something fresh and revealing it to me. And I, I trust that, uh, um, that you're letting God speak to you. Praise God. I, I trust that you're taking what the, the things that I've been sharing with you and, and taking those things and letting the Lord speak to you. You know, something that I do, and uh, if you're not my Facebook friend, send me a friend request. Because I post stuff on Facebook a lot. And, and the reason I post things on there a lot is because I don't have time to say everything right here. All right, so some, sometimes we got to find another avenue to get stuff out. Praise God. And so as the Lord is revealing things to me, I'm, I'm putting it out on Facebook, these little messages in bite-sized pieces. Praise God that you can take and you can learn from and grow from. And, uh, and and furthermore, it reaches a lot of people that that aren't here. Praise God! And and so they're seeing these things too. And so you know the the, the thing is that we can redeem Facebook. Amen. And, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on on Facebook that ought not be going on. But we can re if we can redeem the time, we can redeem Facebook. Praise God. In fact, we can turn it into a powerful tool for getting the gospel out. Praise God. And did, did you know that our online broadcasts, we reach into over 100 nations online? Now, 
the reason that I point that out is because that all started out on Facebook. You know, it started out on Facebook. We had a blizzard, and I couldn't get to church. Uh, I couldn't get out of my driveway. And so Pastor Jason came here, and he sat right down here on a stool and preached a message and put it out on Facebook Live. And that was the beginning of our online broadcast. And so we started that, and uh, it began to grow from there. And like I say, you know, we don't reach 100 nations every every week, but we, we uh, you know, pretty often do reach into 100 nations. Sometimes we, we will even top 100,000 viewers on Facebook. That's people that wouldn't have heard the gospel. I think we've redeemed Facebook. Praise God. Praise God. And so... Um, Anyway, with that said, let's get into, um, just say this with me. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for the word. I'm not a hearer only. I'm a doer of the word. And I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I tune my ears in to listen today to what the Spirit is saying. And I'll receive that truth. I'll act upon it. I'll be changed by it. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, I remind you, you need to bring a Bible to church. Praise God. Now, maybe that's on your phone. Maybe that's on your tablet. Maybe you're old-fashioned and it's in print form. Uh, but in, in any case, you know, Bring a Bible to church, one form or another, so you can follow along. Bring something to take notes on. Praise God. Some way, you know, maybe you take notes on your phone, your tablet. That's okay, too. You know, I'm not telling you how you need to do that. My pastor used to always say this, that a, uh, that a short pencil is better than a long memory. And, uh, you know, it's because we have a tendency to forget. We have supernatural help sometimes to forget. And so you need to... Be making notes and and uh, some way to to be able to go back. Now you can do that by going back later and watching the online broadcast too. So there's there's a number of ways that you can do that. And so if if you see somebody without a notebook, don't don't judge them. Maybe they're taking notes later when they watch it online. All right. So um, in in any case. You need to have some way that you can retrieve this information because, like I said, six weeks and I haven't got everything out of this. So I doubt seriously that you're going to get it all in this sermon this morning. Praise God. So you need to be going home, taking this information and studying it. We're talking about growing up, and this is one of the ways you grow up. You know, this is one of the, you know, I remember back, I came into this this uh, word of faith and, and uh, 
charismatic movement. And I came into this stuff back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. I came into this stuff. And one of the things that we did back then, and I don't see it a lot uh, today, and I think it's, it's sad that it doesn't happen. But one of the things that, that we did back then, you didn't ever go to church without a Bible and a notebook. And, you know, and you, you went prepared to record things that spoke to your heart uh, away. And every sermon back in those days was recorded on a cassette tape. Some of you don't know what that is. Uh, but every sermon was recorded on a cassette tape, and we took the, we bought those cassette tapes. You know, today, this, this, there, there's several things that we have abandoned that make me sad. And one of the things that it seems we have abandoned is the hunger for the Word of God. Because back then, we didn't mind paying two, three bucks for a cassette tape. Now, people think, oh, you got to give it to me. You know, I'm not going to take it if you don't give it to me. It's got to be free. But you know what? If it's a value to you, you ought to be willing to pay for it. If it's a value to you to have a Bible, then you ought to buy a Bible. If you can't buy a Bible, praise God, we'll give you a Bible. But I, I know there are people that, that, they just don't want to buy a Bible because they don't see the value of it. And so, uh, you know, but, but in any case, there are things that should be valuable enough to us. You know, you, you don't mind paying for a ticket to a ball game. You don't mind paying for, a, paying for this, paying for that. But you come to church and everything's supposed to be free. That's just not the way it is. Because things that are valuable for valuable to you, you don't mind putting your money in. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I'm not uh, getting ready to receive another offering this morning, so that, that's not what that was all about. But, uh, but I'm just saying you need to have a Bible. You need to have a way to make notes. You need to have a way to go back and study this stuff because every time you do, God's going to speak to you again about something in this. Praise God. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, let's begin with verse number 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now, the word perfection there. If we look up the definition of that and study it out, the word perfection means completeness. So he's saying that if all we have is the elementary principles, if all we've got is this basic information, the, you know, the very foundational stuff, he's saying that it's incomplete. It's incomplete. You know, it is, it is wonderful that Jesus came and lived on this earth, but many people, that's all they know about Jesus. He came and he lived here for a few years, and then he went back to heaven, and nothing really changed, nothing really happened, you know. 
But if we begin to study God's word, we will find out that is the very basic thing. You know, John 3.16 is one of my favorite scriptures, but it is very basic. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, that, that scripture right there that I just quoted in about 30 seconds is enough to get you saved. That scripture is enough to keep you out of hell and get you to heaven. But I don't know about you, I found out there was more. And because I found out there was more, I decided I wanted more. Praise God. Because, you know, heaven's great, but wouldn't it be nice to have a little heaven on earth? Wouldn't it be nice to step into some of the other stuff that God has prepared for us other than just getting to heaven? You know, I still hear statements made, well, I believe that you can do this and go to heaven. My goodness, you know, and I'm hearing that from people that have been saved for 20 years. And that's as far as you've got. Is I think I can get away with doing this and still get to heaven? You know, how sad is that when God has so much more for us? And the, the, the rate that you progress in your Christian life, the rate that you grow up is going to be directly determined by how serious you get about it. You know, if it's something that... that um, you know, every Sunday morning, you get up and, and the family discusses, well, are we going to church today? You know what? In my years of growing up, and, and, and you know, I'm telling you some things because I've been in this thing for a long time, and, and it's worked well for me, okay? So I'm telling you some things. When, when I was growing up, that was a question you dared not ask. Because the answer was already well established. This is an established fact. The answer was, yes, we are going to church. So, you know, but there might have been some other comments that went along with that if we dared to ask that question. But, uh, you know, are we going to church? Well, of course we're going to church. You know, where you been for the last year, five years, ten years, whatever, however old you were? You know, where you been for all these years? Of course we're going to church. You know, and, and we were serious about it. We didn't go to church for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We went to church for probably two, two and a half hours on Sunday morning, and then another two hours on Sunday night, and then another hour and a half on Wednesday night. And we went to prayer meeting and we went to Bible study if there was one. And, you know, and so this hour and a half stuff on Sunday morning, and that's all the consideration you give to the things of God. No wonder we're a people that don't walk in the power of God. You see, we've got to get serious about the things of God. And God is wanting to bring us in. In fact, he says here, let us leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ and let us 
go on to perfection. Let's go on to completion. Let's go on to maturity. Praise God. And you see, for a long time, I, I've been preaching the gospel of grace for about 10 years now. And some of you, you still ain't got it. That's because you're not giving any consideration to the things I'm preaching. You, you still don't have it. How did I know that? Because I hear what you say. I hear the stuff that you're talking about. I hear the words coming out of your mouth. And I know you don't get it. And it's not that difficult. It's not that complicated. And it's not that I'm so smart that I've got this stuff that's way over your head. It's not over your head. I simplify it, you know. I, I bring it down on a level you ought to be able to understand it. But yet you apparently have not because it's, you know, I hear what you're saying. And so God's called us to maturity. Praise God. Now, why do you lay a foundation in anything, if you are a building contractor, why do you lay a foundation? You Not because you want a foundation, right? Well, can you come over, you know, Tony, can you bring your crew over and do us a foundation? We, do, we, we need a foundation. Well, what do you want to put on that foundation? Oh, we just want a foundation. You know, how ridiculous is that? You want a foundation because you want a building. Yet so many people in their Christian life, they just want a foundation. So where, where are you headed? What do you want with this? What are you going to put on this? What are you going to build on this foundation? You know, that's what you need to be considering. Praise God. And let me just tell you, the end result is a duplicate of Jesus in the earth. That, that's what we're shooting for. Now, here's the thing. If, we, if a building contractor, he goes out and, you know, I don't know what the building codes is, so I'm just going to make some up here, all right? But let, let's say you want to build a building. You want to build a house. And you go out and you know, well, i got to do some footings. And so you begin to dig the footings. And the building code says, remember, I'm making this up. I'm not telling you what the code is. All right, so I'm, I'm making this up. You go out and you say, well, the building code says, all right, you've got to have your footers two foot wide. They've got to be two foot deep, and they have to have, uh, you know, three pieces of three-quarter inch rebar every six inches or, or a, a piece every six inches. And, you know, and it has to be, done this way and tied together this way and, and you know and you've got all this rebar in there it tells you how many pieces that you're supposed to have in there and you decide I think that two foot deep is a little excessive so you go 18 inches deep and you say well you know I don't know about that two foot wide I don't know why you know we're going to set blocks on this and the blocks only eight inches wide so why do we need a 24 inch wide footer and so you say, what's, 
eight inches wide, so we'll, we'll give a little bit. We'll only go a foot wide. And so you call the building inspector to come out and check out what you've done. And he comes at and he looks at it and he says, well, you know, I'll measure it, but I don't think that's two foot wide. That only looks like about a foot wide. So he pulls out his tape and he measures it and he says, that's not going to do. And he measures the depth of it. Well, you only went 18 inches. You cheated on this, uh, you know. Um, and you can't just add to it, so you're going to have to jackhammer all that concrete out of that trench. And you're going to have to do this correctly. I am not going to sign off on you building a house on this footing. And so you end up jackhammering the whole thing out and starting all over again. This is what a whole lot of people are doing. They're wanting to cheat on the foundation. They want to cheat on the foundation in their Christian life. They're, they're wanting to go on to the, well, the, you know, anybody ever hear somebody say, well, you know, the Bible says that the works that Jesus did, we should do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. He did say that. Jesus did say that. But a lot of people are wanting to just jump to that. And they're saying, well, why aren't we seeing signs and wonders and miracles? Why aren't we doing that these days? Well, a lot of the big reason for that is that we've cheated on the foundation. He said, you're going to have jackhammer that out of there and, and start building that foundation correctly. Otherwise, we're not going to get to the end result of this. God's got great things in store for us. In fact, he has visions of the duplicate of Jesus in the earth. Praise God. But yet, we haven't done the foundation right. And so, how do we know we haven't done the foundation right? Well, today, we're really, I know it doesn't sound like it much, but we're really talking about the words of our mouth. And the words of our mouth are very revealing. The words of our mouth reveal what's in that footer, what's in that foundation. The words of our mouth tell us what we've been building. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. It, it, it tells us what's, what's been put in our foundation. Now, let's look at this. He says, let's go on to perfection. And then he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, who knows what repentance from dead works means? You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to, but I'm just asking you a question. Answer for yourself. Do you know what dead works are? If you don't, that might be revealing. That's why I didn't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to reveal it to everybody. But it could be revealing. If you don't know what dead works is, some people, most Christians would say, well, that's your sins. That's not your sins. He's not even talking about sins there. He says repentance from dead works. Well, you know, you've got to repent of your sins. That's not what dead works are. Dead works mean works that are void of power. 
They're void of any ability to make any kind of change or transformation in your life. And what we have been talking about for the last 10 years, if you've been here, you ought to know what dead works are. Dead works are your effort to earn something from God. So dead works could be good works. But if they're done in an effort to earn something from God, they're dead, they're void of power, they're not going to achieve the desired result. So he says repentance from dead works, that's the very first thing. How did you become righteous? You became righteous because not because you did good deeds. You became righteous because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he declared you to be righteous. And I've been preaching it for 10 years. Some of you didn't know what dead works were. Now, then he goes on and he says, repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. See, because that's how you attain righteousness. Not by your works, which are void of power, but you attain righteousness by believing upon Jesus. Faith toward God and what he did in Christ. Praise God. Then he goes on and he says, the doctrine of baptisms. Well, what happened when you were, well, this is where you bring out a tank of water and you dunk people in it. Well, that's, bad, that's water baptism, but that's not what he's talking about here. He said, the doctrine of baptisms. What happened when you received Jesus, when you exercised faith in God and in what he did in Christ, what happened? You were baptized into Christ. Water baptism becomes an outward sign to show what happened to you. But that's why we don't, we don't baptize unbelievers in water because if we did, we would, be, um, we would be contributing to this idea that water baptism will save you, and it won't. Water baptism is subsequent to baptism into Christ. So the word baptism means immersion. So once you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you were immersed into Christ. He goes on and he says, of the laying on of hands, laying on of hands. Well, through the laying on of hands, there is a transfer of the anointing. Then he goes on and he says, the resurrection from the dead. Well, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead, I'm, I have risen from the dead. I was dead in trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible tells me. I was dead in trespasses and sins, but because I received him, he made me alive. Praise God. So I have, I have been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. No, my physical body has not died, but I was dead in trespasses and sins. I was separated from the life of God, and he breathed into me the Holy Spirit, and I became alive. Praise God. And so we're talking about the elementary things. And then there is a very curious statement 
Uh, well, he says in an eternal judgment that, that, that's there, that there will be, one day there will be a judgment where an eternal determination is made. What have I done with Jesus? Did I receive Jesus or have I rejected Jesus? And there's going to be a judgment. But here he goes on and he says, we're going to go on to perfection. And then in verse 3, he says, this we will do if God permits. So I started asking this question. Why in the world would God not permit us to go on to perfection? Why in the world would God not allow us to move on to maturity? And so I want you to hang on to that question for just a little bit. And we're going to answer that question. But I'll just answer it in, in brief like this, and then we'll understand more as I go on. In brief, he won't permit us to go on to perfection if we haven't laid the foundation right. We've got to get the foundation right before we can go on and build on this thing. All right? Now, what does he say if we jump down to verse number 4, or continue to verse number 4? He says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Now, there is a progression right here. Notice what he said, first of all, that you have been, he says, it's impossible for this person who has gone through these, these things right here. Uh, he says it's impossible for them, if they fall away, to be re, uh, restored back to repentance. Now, I read that for a long time, and, and, and I thought, okay, right here is the unpardonable sin, because it's impossible to restore them to repentance. All right, but let me tell you why I changed my mind on that. All right, first of all, he says that they were enlightened. What does the word enlightened mean? Well, the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light. We got to let scripture interpret scripture. I've read so many commentaries over the last five, six weeks. On, on this passage of Scripture right here, and I have found out that there are so many horrible commentaries. There are so many commentators that comment on things they don't know anything about. And so, you know, i got to go to the author of the Bible. Who's the author of the Bible? Holy Spirit's the author of the Bible. Praise God. So i got to go to the author of the Bible who, by the way, lives in me. So I can go to the author of the Bible and I can see what he has to say about it. I can listen to what he's saying. And, and uh, he knows what it actually means. So those who have been enlightened. Well, let me give you a passage of Scripture. Let's let Scripture interpret Scripture. See, we're, not, we're not going by what I feel. Well, I just have a gut feeling. You know what? I've had gut feelings that were not right. I've had gut feelings about pizza and gut feelings about, you know, all 
But let, let's, let's see what Scripture, how Scripture interprets that. Been enlightened. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3, says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Enlightened has to do with revelation. That the gospel of Christ has been revealed to me. I have been enlightened. This is why the apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Praise God. So we've got to, he says, this person, first of all, they have been enlightened. Then, that does not mean you know everything. It means you have some illumination on the subject. Praise God. Then he says that this person has tasted the heavenly gift. Well, I read commentaries that said you have been baptized. You understand now why I'm saying that a lot of commentators, you know, don't know what they're talking about. In fact, I read one commentary that he, he, he said that it meant you have been baptized, but then he said there is nothing in the, in, in the definition of that word that alludes to baptism. So how would you come up with that conclusion then? You know, it says that they have tasted of the heavenly gift. Well, what is the heavenly gift? I can tell you three heavenly gifts. There may be more, but I can tell you right now three heavenly gifts. The first heavenly gift is the gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The next heavenly gift is, um, let, let's see, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 17. It says, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Peter Preaching said that if you believe on Jesus, he said you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's three heavenly gifts, and one of them is not baptism. All right? So he three heavenly gifts here. So this person, they have been enlightened, and now they have tasted of the heavenly gift. They have received the gift of eternal life, they have received the gift of righteousness, they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, praise God. Now, he goes on and he says, they have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by 
being partakers of the Holy Spirit. Well, this word partakers means that you have become a partner with or a participant with. Scripture tells us that we are laborers together with God. Now, if you remember when Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, Peter says this. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Sounds like a partnership with the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? We've become a partner with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus did. You know, I was writing some stuff on the Holy Spirit uh, not too long ago, and I began to study this out, and I began to see that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, you know, and the earth was without form and void, and then it says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Well, that word hovered there, he is just hovering there. And then God said, and there was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So Holy Spirit is hovering and always has been. In fact, I, I begin to see this in several places in the Scripture, that Holy Spirit is hovering, waiting for the Word. Jesus was God the Word. So he is waiting for God, the Word, to come on the scene, and they are partners together. So when God, the Word, went out and said, let there be light, then Holy Spirit and the Word teamed up to produce light. Then we see Mary, an angel comes to Mary the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, that, you know, you're going to give birth to a child. And he says, uh, she says, well, you know, how's that possible? I have not ever known a man. And uh, so then the uh, angel says, well, the Spirit of God will overshadow you. You know what overshadow means? Overshadow means the same thing as hovering. Holy Spirit will hover over you. He will overshadow you, and he, he's, you will conceive, and you'll give birth to the Son. He'll be the Son of the Most High, and, you know, and, and he talks like this, and then Mary says this. Mary says, let it be unto me according to your word. So when she said that, all of the words throughout 4,000 years of time since Adam fell, all 4,000 years of words became flesh in the womb of Mary. That is a partnership between the Word and the Spirit. Praise God. And she conceived, and nine months later, she gave birth to a child that was every single word that had been spoken about him. Praise God. Then, let's get this. Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus begins his earthly ministry. God anoints Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Holy Spirit was with him. So they became a divine partnership 
Praise God. And everything Jesus said, Jesus never prayed a prayer that didn't get answered. Jesus never spoke a word that didn't come to pass. Why? See, that's what God is wanting to bring us into. And he says that we have become partakers, we've become partners with the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was a partner with the Holy Spirit. And he said that when I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be with you and in you. And the works that I do, you're going to do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. This is where he's wanting to bring us to. This is what maturity is. But think about this. Jesus is standing at the tomb of Lazarus. And Jesus says these words. He says, I thank you, Father, that you hear me and that you always hear me. Can you say that? Can you say that of yourself? Thank you, Father, that you hear me and that you always hear me. Well, if you had to answer no to that question, if you're honest, yeah, you, you answered no. Because we have a tendency. I told you I'm teaching on, on the words of our mouth, all right? And we're going to get there, see. Because the reason that we can't say that is because we go around saying anything and everything that comes to our mind. How many of you would be in trouble? See, they, they said of Jesus in, in one place, it was, someone said about him, they said, we know that whatever you ask, God gives you. How would you like to be in a place where everything you ask, you receive? Jesus actually said that we should come to that place. He said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do it. Why, how many of us would be in big trouble if we got everything we ask? Maybe that's why we haven't got to this point, and maybe this answers the question from Hebrews 6, 3, if God permits. Why would he not permit because if he brings us to this place where we walk just like Jesus walked, in fact, the scripture says that, that we ought to walk just like him. We ought to, our lives ought to be just like his. And God is saying, if I let you experience that kind of power, this is what he means when he says that you have tasted of the heavenly gift and you have tasted of the powers of, of the age to come. Why would he not let us taste of the powers of the age to come? Because if we get everything we are saying, we'd be in the whole world hurt. So we got to go back 
And we got to get past this and get to the point where God says, yes, I'll permit that. Praise God. We got to come to the point where God says, yes, I'm going to uh, permit you to move on to perfection. I'm going to permit you to mature. I'm going to permit you to walk into the powers of the age to come. You see, Jesus was walking in the power of the age to come when his disciples were in the middle of the sea and a storm rose up and he needed to get to his disciples. He's on the shore, so he walks on the water. Jesus was operating in the powers of the age to come when he had a multitude of 20,000 people on the seashore that had been listening to him preach all day, and they were hungry, and they had five loaves of bread and two small fish, and he fed a multitude of 20,000 people. Jesus was functioning in the powers of the age to come. He says, we ought to walk like he walked. Praise God. Jesus was functioning in the powers of the age to come when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, I thank you, Father, that you hear me, that you always hear me. And then he cried out with a loud voice and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus was operating in the powers of the age to come. Praise God. Are we ready to operate in the powers of the age to come? Begin to look. Begin to pay attention to what you're saying and what you're doing with the things of God. You see, we preached on the power of confession. You know, I could preach you a really good sermon on the power of your words. But you see, here's what most Christians that started learning about the power of the tongue and the confession was, I believe I have a Cadillac. Well, I'm just believing God for a new house. I believe I have a new house. I believe I have a big house. I believe I have, you know. And, and that's all we know about confession. It's how to get more stuff, bigger stuff. You know, Jesus didn't worry about stuff. Because Jesus needed to pay his taxes one day. And he told Peter, he said, go down to the sea. You catch a fish. The first fish you catch, look at his mouth, take a coin out of its mouth, and you pay your taxes and mine. He was operating in the powers of the age to come. He wasn't worried about that kind of stuff. You know. Jesus was preaching, Bible scholars tend to believe that he was preaching in his own house. Because he was in the city of Capernaum, that's where he was living at the time. He's in, in the city of Capernaum and he's preaching in a house. And the crowd just, come, they found out he was home. So, you know, the crowd begins to gather. And then there were these four guys, they have a friend that's on a, on a bed, and he's bedfast. And so they bring him to Jesus, but they can't get in the house. So they go up on the roof, and they tear a hole in the roof and let the guy down in front of Jesus on the bed. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven you. 
And then some people got upset because of what he said. And uh, they said, well, you know, who is this that can forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, so you can know, you know, it's, it's no harder to say your sins be forgiven you than to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And, but so you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Go to your house. And the guy gets up and takes up his bed and he goes home. And did you know we have no record of Jesus getting upset about them guys tearing a hole in his roof? He wasn't worried about such stuff. Jesus didn't fret about such stuff. Praise God. Jesus wants to bring us to the place that we can taste and experience and walk in the powers of the age to come. I've been telling you that the glory of God is about to break out on planet earth. Hallelujah. Why? Because there are some that are ready to go on. Now, if you're not ready, get ready. You don't want to be like the children of Israel. The Bible says that God made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. They just got to see what he did. They just got to observe, but Moses knew his ways. Do you want to just see his ways? Do you want to just see what he does? Because he's about to do some pretty spectacular things. I don't want to just see what he does. I want to be a participant. I want to be a partaker. I want to walk like he walked. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm going to have to get this thing right here in line. You know, I can't be saying one thing today and the opposite of it tomorrow. I've got to be consistent. I've got to hold fast my confession. Praise God. Praise God. If we're going to go on to maturity, we got to hold fast our confession. Praise God. Now, before you start looking around, and look at it at who you think's immature in the crowd. If you're doing that, you're the first immature one that you ought to see. You see, because here's the deal. The apostle Paul said, When I became a man, when I became mature, when I grew up, I stopped talking like a child. Well, a child He's not talking about everybody else. He's talking about himself. You know, he, he, he's talking, it's me, 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 me. And here's the deal. If I think, it, it, why would God not permit me to go on to the powers of the age to come? Why would he not permit me to do that? And, and why couldn't I get there? If I still think it's because of what I did, I need to go back and repent from dead works. I need to change my mind about dead works. Well, you know, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I know I don't come to church, but we still believe. Well, you don't believe Hebrews 10.24 then. 
Because it says don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. You may believe that Jesus, well, you know, there's a whole lot of people believe that Jesus. But we got to look and see, you know, am I ready to go on in the powers of the age? Do I still think that my works merit something? Well, if it, God was going to heal anybody, he would heal grandma because grandma, you know, well, she always took care of other people. She made sure that nobody went hungry. Grandma did this and grandma did. And, and therefore, if God's going to heal anybody, he ought to heal grandma. But he didn't. And you know what? You need to go back and repent from dead works. Because you're thinking grandma's good works should have earned her healing. Listen to what you're saying. There's a clue there. There's a clue. We got to get it. We got to get it. Father, I thank you today. Father, I thank you for illumination. Illumination. That we can begin to see and get this revelation. God, you're wanting to take us on to perfection. You want to take us on to maturity. But we got to get this. Help us, Holy Spirit. That's what you've come to do is to help us. So we call upon you and we open our hearts up to be recipients to what you have to say to us. If the things we've shared today, if they struck something in your heart and you say, man, I need to grow up. Right where you're sitting right now, we, we bring these lights down like this. Let me, let me say this. We bring these lights down like this because we, we don't want people to be self-conscious, but we also know God can see you right where you're at, even if the lights are all off. Okay? So it's not for the benefit of the people around you anyway. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I need to grow up. I want to go on to perfection. I want to go on to maturity. I want to experience the powers of the age to come. If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand right where you are, right where you are. God sees if you lifted up your hand this morning. He sees that. And I'm going to pray for you today. That the things I've spoken today, Father, that they become revelation. That we begin to get it we begin to understand because Father we want to go on to perfection we know that if we are going to reach this world we have to go on to perfection
We can't reach the world behaving like children. For I declare in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that the light come on. And that serious decisions are being made right now. If you lifted your hand, I want you to take a moment. I want you to tell the Lord how serious you are about this, how much you want. Because if you'll, if you'll tell him that you want revelation, he is excited about answering that prayer. Just ask him, say, Lord, just show me how to go on to perfection. Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. If you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching online, you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Right now, there is no better time than right now to receive Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if that's you today, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you believe that he came to this earth, lived on this earth, paid the penalty of death for you and then rose again from the dead. If you believe that, you're halfway there. Now let's seal it with the words of our mouth. Say this. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. That he paid the penalty for all of my sins. And then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 